Hi, thank you for listening to Trinity San Diego Podcast. If this is your first time tuning in with us, we want you to know that you are loved. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message will encourage you. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, you can partner with us to reach others by investing at trinitysandiego.org. Thanks once again. Now here's Pastor Todd. A little context for our scripture today. Uh, we find ourselves in chapter 2 of an exciting time where an angel appeared to some shepherds. And a few weeks ago, we had uh, our greatest show. It was amazing. How many love the greatest show? So awesome, and we're so thankful for those that sacrificed and took the time to do so. But uh, the thing is, is about Luke chapter 2, we read the Bible and we sometimes get it out of context because we read, for the story for, we read the story for the story. We love this whole idea. We get all the warm feels about the Christmas time and the whole concept of we're given gifts and we love that. Who doesn't love to receive gifts, right? Well, a little context. God was silent for 400 years. Everyone take a deep breath. Think about that for a moment. The God of this universe was silent. And him being silent in that time between Malachi and when Jesus came, the whole concept of Jesus or of God being silent, the thing is, is God might be, how many of you ever felt like God's been silent in your story? Yeah, a collective group. Yes, we have all felt that God has been silent from time to time in our story. But the thing is, is just because he's silent doesn't mean he's not working. He's active and he's moving always on our behalf. And just because it appears to be silence, because you have to realize those 400 years of silence, God had to set up the, t- the right time for Jesus to come to this earth. He had to set up the right time. Galatians 4, 4 says, but when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. And just because you don't feel like God's talking does not mean that he's not moving and active. And he's waiting in your story for the right time time to move. Everyone say right time. time. He's waiting for the right time to move because he was fulfilling, he was fulfilling prophecies in those 400 years and the silence could feel dark in the moment, but when the light of the world comes, everything changes. The, The moment the light enters a room, Katie talked about the light. Think about darkness. She had this whole room go completely dark last, last week. Uh, not in a bad way, in a total good way, to show the significance of what one light, what one light could do, could illuminate a space, and that becomes the focal point. And that's what God did, is he, ke- he came in during a dark time from heaven to earth so that he could illuminate what's taken place right now. And so here we find ourselves in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. It'll be on your screens. It says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. That happens, right? We get a little terrified from time to time. Situations arise, but you don't need to fear because what's going to happen is amazing. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, In the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth, lying in a manger. There's a significance in the cloth and the idea of the cloth. Because cloth was typically used for burial. Okay, And now Jesus is being wrapped in cloth and he's coming to resurrect dead things. That's the whole reason Jesus came here. And it says suddenly... 
uh, suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth to those whom his favor rests. Today, the title of my message is Christmas Cheer, Just Joy. Just Joy. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Do what only you can do in these few moments that we have together. God, we love you. Have your way in this house. In your name, amen. How many love Christmas? Let's be honest. How many love Christmas? Okay, I saw some of you go, does that really mean you like Christmas? Let, let, let's, if you don't like Christmas, raise your hands. You'll not be judged. Okay, that's okay. No one's judging anybody in this room. But I, I love Christmas. There's a, a certain sense of joy. There's a certain sense of, of excitement and fun and exuberance when it comes to uh, Christmas. I know that there are also parking lots at Christmas that will make you go and your blood pressure rise and you want to say some things that you probably shouldn't say. Am I right? Okay, there's crowds at the mall. I was there yesterday. It was terrible. Uh, I don't like, I have a pet peeve. Can I just let you in on a secret? I'm going to just take the mask off. Katie knows it. Um, one of my pet peeves is I do not like when people go the opposite way of the way the parking spots are going. When they are going this way, you go the same way every single time. I'm not the only one. Wow. I just had to get, that was therapy for me because there were three times we were driving and I'm like, these people are making me angry. And I'm like, there are kids in the car. You're their pastor too. You're not just their parent. Oh, so I'm glad I'm not alone. But I love Christmas in the realm of the excitement and the enthusiasm and the Christmas cheer of what is Christmas. And um, I recently was, was listening, or I was scrolling through Facebook. I do that from time to time. Don't judge me. Um, and I was sitting there and I was scrolling through Facebook and I saw this video. And this video is of this lady who was really excited about Christmas time and she was reading about generosity and the significance about Christmas time and how everyone's giving. And so they're giving and they're generous and I'm sure that she just felt in her heart the, the whole concept of, of generosity and the Christmas cheer and the Christmas joy and, and the, the smell of pine and the smell of cinnamon and, 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 and peppermint you know, bark and peppermint mochas and all things that have to do with Christmas. And she was in a local gas station, and she was feeling generous, and she was very generous, and she was like, oh, I just feel good about what's happening here. I just feel great on the, the, the setting and Christmas and the whole Christmas cheer thing. And she goes, I'm going to do a random act of kindness. Well, that's what we are going to do during our 21 days of prayer and fasting is we're going to do random acts of kindness within our city because I think that we just don't need to be, we don't need to be hearers of the word, but we need to be doers of the word as well. We can't just be big head, big head, spiritual giant Christians, but don't actually practice it on a regular basis. And so this gal, I don't know her faith background, but she's sitting there and she's getting all these Christmas feels and she wants to be generous. And so she sees the lady behind her and she has a ginger ale, and she's holding the ginger ale, and the lady, the, the lady in front goes, oh man, I'm just feeling all Christmassy, I'm going to go and I'm going to do a random act of kindness, and I'm going to buy her ginger ale. So she says, hey ma'am, which I encourage every once in a while, do this, like go out of your way and buy something for someone that can't do anything for you, I think that that's a good thing to do, and so, you know, occasionally buy the person Starbucks behind you, you don't even know what they might be walking through, and you could just be praying over them, and that could be the breakthrough that they might need, you never know how God can move, I'm just saying, but here, here she is, she goes, I want to pay for your ginger ale, so what does the lady do, she goes, no, 
No, I'm kidding. She says, yes, of course. She says, I will pay for your, or she goes, yes, pay for my ginger ale. So she pays the, you know, $1.25 for the ginger ale. Didn't cost her much. But then this, the gal that paid for the ginger ale is walking outside and she sees this man. And it's not like you think, okay? Get your mind out of the gutter, people. She sees this man and this man is washing her car windows. And she's just like, the Christmas cheer is real. She's like, she's like overjoyed. She's like skipping, you know. She's just so happy to see that someone doing a random act of kindness. And she's just overwhelmed. And she sees, and she's just like kind of skipping to the car. And she gets to it, and she's like, you're washing my car windows. Thank you. Thank you. I love it. I love it. And she just gives him a big old hug. The guy kind of looks at her dumbfounded and is like, what are you doing? What are you, and then she comes to realization that she wasn't, or he wasn't washing her windows. He was washing his windows, and he had the re- same car as her. So she walks into her car and sits down and records it. You know how many million views? 78 million views later because of her joy and her exuberance about the Christmas season. This time of year is magical. And it's a lot of fun. And people are more generous and they're filled with more joy as we celebrate the holiday year. But as we look at our text today, there's something that jumps off the page to me that oftentimes we bypass. If you look at Luke 2.10, it says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I'll focus on the do not be afraid here in moments. But it says, I will bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. The great news of great joy, to me, is as good as it gets. Because God can be silent in your story for quite some time, like he was silent in the story that we read in the Bible between Malachi and between Matthew. And that 400 years of silence, as good as it gets, is the good news that will cause you great joy. And we are reaching to the crescendo of Christmas cheer. We have Christmas music that gives us great joy. Who loves Christmas music? Lately, I've been listening to, uh, what's that song um, about the hippopotamus? All I want for Christmas, is it a hippopotamus, that one? That we've been, Kennedy has been requesting that, and it's been on repeat, and so I went to bed singing that last night. It does cause me great joy and great frustration. <laughs> Christmas decorations that give us great joy. Christmas uh, music that gives us great joy. Again, Christmas food that gives us the ultimate joy. Hello. But we need to live in the 360, or we need to live the 365 days of the red and green of this season. That so often we are people that once Christmas ends, we pack up the Christmas decorations and we pack up our Christmas joy as well. And then we are troubled when we get into the new year because we realize that life comes at us quick and there's only six days between Christmas and that new year. And we're reminded of all of the things that we are that we lack when really I think if we take the Christmas joy and we make it 365 days, I think the world would be a different place. I think churches would be a different place. I think workplaces would be a different place if we took that joy that's inside of us and we let it out of us, that Christmas cheer is alive and well in our lives. And I think that, 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 that we have to really understand that we can't fear this whole concept of bringing that. that they, they were fearful right there, the, the, um, the wise men. They were terrified. The shepherds were terrified. Think about Mary for a moment. I bet you she was a little terrified. But, but the angel says, don't fear. I'm bringing you good news. And my prayer is that we live the message the angel gave 
to those people, to those shepherds and those wise men, not the, not the news of our world that the nightly news is giving us. Because we live in a time and a place where we are infiltrated with fear. We are fearful about everything. We're fearful to walk out the door sometimes. We're fearful to just turn on the news and what is the news going to tell us. I mean, when you think about where our world is, we, 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 it's just easy to live in fear. We can, we can fear for our kids and what they're exposed to. But we have a God of the universe that says, do not fear that he is with us, that he is the good news. And it's our responsibility as followers of him to not worry about the nightly news, but to bring the good news out to all of the world because there is a gap between one and the other. And so often we live in the nightly news gap and we walk that out and we're fearful of where we're going when really we should be living in the good news of who God is and we should be walking forward to the destiny that God has called us to. That we have to not have this tug of war in between the two, we need to just straight up live this out and not worry about that. Turn your back to the nightly news and walk in the way of where God has called you to. There's a reason you're sitting in this seat. There's a reason you're at this job or at that job. There's a reason that you have that child. There's a reason that you're in that relationship. It is to show the light of the world and the good news of Christ inside of you. And I, I, I think that there's a movie that's just really impacted me. Can I um, tell you what it is? It's a movie called Elf. A lot of Elf fans here. Uh, yeah, Santa, we know you. Uh, but one thing about that movie that is really good. Bye, buddy. Hope you find your dad. I'm kidding. That's not it. That's not it. Anyways, the narwhal. Anyways, there's uh, this, this point in the movie where if you don't know the movie, let me just give you a little story about it. Uh, Buddy the Elf is a guy that was in an orphanage when he was a baby. And what he did was he crawled out of his uh, little bed and he got in a Santa's sack and he went back to the North Pole with him and they raised him like an elf when really he was a full-grown human being, okay? And so you see these images in the movie of, of these little guys and then you see him at a desk and he's just ginormous. I mean, that's a word that he does use. Anyways, but, but one thing that they say in, in that movie is it's really a, a, an important line and it's an awesome line that I think that we need to live. It's rule number one, treat every day like Christmas. Why? Because people are generous. People are excited. I've never, I, I mean, I'm sorry. I know that there's some heartbreak on Christmas. I've lost my dad. And so every year I'm reminded about that, that I miss having my dad at Christmas. But also I, I remember the memories of that man that I had with me at Christmas time. And I think of that. But I think that when, I, I've never really had a bad Christmas growing up. Like I know that there are, there are images and things where we've had bad situations. But the good of Christmas, I think that when we treat every day like Christmas, we love differently. We're more happy. We wave. You know, like, like you wave at nobody. You're driving down the street. They're by themselves. You're like... Hey, how are you? You know, you're weird at Christmas, and that's awesome. And we should continue to treat every day like Christmas. Everyone say that, treat every day like Christmas. That leads me to my first point. Live in the cheer. Live in the cheer. You see, the message the angels delivered started with God, and it goes to us. It goes to us. And do you, do you want to know what I think when God gave his son? I think he was cheerful. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7b, it says, For God loves a cheerful giver. 
And God will not tell you us to do what he hasn't done first. And so if God loves a cheerful giver, I imagine that when God gave Jesus to us, he was excited about what the outcome was going to be. Because so, I mean, as a parent, uh, you know, we're a few days from Christmas. My kids are crazy right now. Literally. I saw Kennedy rifling through the closet. She was actually inside the closet walking around looking for presents, people. They're wild. And they're spoiled. I got to stop this thing. Anyways, but, but when I, when it's Christmas time and they've been asking about a certain plane, you know, my son Carter, he loves planes. Oh man, we have like a million of them. Stop buying them planes, people. Anyways, uh, it's not the first problem. I'll just, there, there it is. But he loves planes. Kennedy loves unicorns and all of things like that. You have to know the way she talks. And one thing I love on Christmas is that when I, and my wife and I give a gift to the kids, we love to see what? Their excitement when they open it. Because they're cheerful. And, and it actually gives me more joy to see their excitement than when someone else gives me a gift. And I think the same thing is when, God's, when God gave us his son, Pastor Bob read it, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. When God gave us his son, it was out of the cheer of giving about the outcome of what was going to come about the idea of Jesus. When you really think about that, I, I had that revelation this week that God actually gave us his son and he was happy about it. He was happy about it because for years since Adam and Eve ate that fruit, God was trying to reconcile his people to him, both Jew and Gentile. If you don't know what that means, if you're not a Jewish person, you're a Gentile. And the fact of the matter is, is that God, for all those years, he would go and help the Israelites and they would turn their back on him. He'd open their, and so that's why he went silent was to set up the opportunity for Jesus to come at this holiday time. And so, when cheerful, God gave us his son cheerfully, but when the angels in, in our text today were shared the message or received the message, it was contagious, that cheer, that Christmas cheer, it was contagious. The shepherds then got the joy of what the angel delivered from God. Mary and Joseph got the joy. The wise men visiting Jesus got the joy. They got that action, and the, and the Bible tells us that the joy continues on. It didn't stop the moment Jesus was born. It continued on. Acts 13, 52 says, And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Friends, you, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, are a disciple of him. And guess what? That still applies today. That that joy is contagious when you get around Jesus. And it will give you cheer. And when you get that message of Christmas on the inside of the true meaning of Christmas, you can't help but live it on the outside. You can't help but, but take what God gives us and impart it inside of us and then live it out. That's the reason why I think it's so important that where you have been planted, that you produce something. That God desires for us to have a mission and a ministry in this world. And wherever you've been planted, you don't need to be from a pulpit to be a pastor. There are a lot of pastors in this room right now that aren't titled pastor. 
because they're out living their faith every day. They're caring for people. They're praying for people. They're loving for people. They're encouraging one another. That's not just a title that you have to assume. So don't think that you have to be from a pulpit to be a pastor. You are a pastor where you are planted. And God has put you there for a specific reason. And that is to do his will and his works in this world. You are called to make a difference in this world. So you have to live the cheer out. Once you live the cheer, next, don't fear. Don't fear. We are often worried about our outcomes before the process even begins. Luke 2.10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Notice before he gave the message, he said, do not be afraid. Before he gave the outcome about the good news with great joy, he had to go and tell them, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid because there's joy coming. And I love how God instructs the angels to say that. Do not be afraid. And friends, let me tell you, fear is a trap. Fear is a trap, and it is all throughout this Christmas story. If you think you're the only one that has fear in your world, think again, just to be perfectly honest. Mary was afraid. Acts, I'm sorry, Luke 1.30. That would be a miracle of God if she was an Acts. Luke 1.30. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Joseph was afraid, Matthew 1.20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Friend, what if everything you ever wanted was sitting on the other side of your fear? What if everything you've ever wanted, that relationship that you've ever wanted, what if it was sitting on the other side of your fear? What if that business that you wanted was sitting on the other side of your fear? Because so often in our world, we are consumed with fear and worry that actually that kills more dreams than failure. Fear kills more dreams than failure ever will. Because the people that are actually willing to step out of the boat like Peter are the people that actually accomplish something in the world. So are we operating in the problem or are we operating in the possibility? Are we operating in the problem or are we operating in the possibility? Problem people par are paralyzed with fear. They will never move. They will never do anything because they are so worried. Worry warts. My mom would always call them worry warts. Like they're worried about everything. They're just worried. Oh, you know, I just can't imagine doing that. Oh, I got to go outside. It's raining. I'm scared to go outside because my hair will get wet. It's just not good. I mean, like people live and paralyzed in fear. Oh, the nightly news. Do you know what they told me? Do you know what's going to happen by 2021? We're going to die. <laughs> Serious. We are so consumed with fear and worry that it just erodes our whole life and we, we just do nothing. And that's what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to sit in the same spot and do nothing so that there's no outcomes that come out. Because you're just sitting there scared in fear. Oh, well, what if you have to talk to them about Jesus? Oh, well, what if they reject me? What if Jesus was rejected? I mean, let's just be honest and real. Or should we be possibility people? Possibility people prioritize the opportunity for God to do something. When you believe in the possible, you know, my Bible says with man everything's impossible, but with God everything is possible. The moment he went out of that grave after he was a baby in a manger and he was a savior on a cross, and the moment he went out of that grave and he stepped out, he said anything Anything that was impossible is now possible because of who I am. 
And so we are worried about our situation. Well, I know anytime God is in the midst of it, it's always a possibility. There's always something that could be in front of us. There's all, you never know the opportunity that's on the other side of the possibility. You see, Mary, after the initial fear of the problem, Mary believed that God, Mary believed God and the possibility since he said he would give birth to a long-awaited Messiah. And oftentimes, after that 400 years of silence, I have been sitting here and I've been pondering this for weeks, that when Mary said yes to being the mother of Jesus, the savior of the world, she actually was saying yes to having Jesus be her savior. Think about that for a moment. Jesus was not only the savior of the world and the coming Messiah, he was also the savior to her. So when she said yes, she was actually eliminating the worry and the fear. And she was saying there's the potential outcome, that with God the possibility is so much greater than what I've seen because God has seen or I have seen 400 years of silence, me talking from Mary's perspective. I have seen 400 years of silence, and now I'm getting visited by God saying, I'm going to, you're going to be the one that is going to carry the Messiah, and, you will, and, and that will be the Savior of the world. So Mary understood, being the good Jewish girl, that she had to be a Jew in order for the Messiah to really come through her and to save the whole world. So that savior was not just for the world, it was for her. It was deeply personal. And there's opportunity on the other side of the problem. And so I have a little illustration. Oh, it's here. Sorry. Um, I need a volunteer that is crazy. Come on. Uh, let's see. Uh, Phoebe, come on. Really quick. Okay. Here. Okay. Come on up. All right. So Phoebe, Oh, man. Okay, just don't say anything bad here, okay? Uh-huh. All right. Okay. If you don't know this, this game, it's called Bean Boozled. Bean Boozled, you could look at the problem, or, can, or you can look at the opportunity beyond the problem, okay? I don't know what color this is, but just go. Make sure that you're... Is it good or bad? Oh, no. Okay, not good, okay? We'll leave it there. So that was a problem, right? Oh. Okay, you can go get some water. But hold on, I got something for you. The problem, the problem could actually, because you were willing to go on the other side of your fear, became the possibility for a gift. Thank you. Let's give it up for Phoebe. You see, the problem that's in front of us, what we see, this game, if you don't know this game, it's called Bean Boozled. Carter is a master at it, and he never chokes on anything. It's crazy. But what happens is, is there are two different kinds of jelly beans, good and bad. Let's see. There's uh, stink bug and toasted marshmallow. There's rotten egg and buttered popcorn. There's barf and peach. Yep, there's barf. Okay, you see? But I, I just had that little simple fun illustration as the concept of there's fear that's attached to this game, right? And she actually had to ingest the fear in order for the possibility and the outcome to be 
Good. Sometimes we have to go and we have to walk through the fear that is in front of us to get to the possibility on the other side for what God has for us. He has so many gifts on the other side of fear. He has so many uh, good things on the other side of fear. He has so much relationship. He has so much potential. He has so much opportunity. But what we have to do is we have to get through the fear to get to the possibility for God to move in our midst. Lastly, worship team, you can join me. God still offers the gift of joy. God still offers the gift of joy. The same gift of peace and joy that was good and accessible to the shepherds, to the wise men, to Mary and Joseph, is still freely given to all who believe. Does that mean that you won't have trial, toil, or tough times? Absolutely not. Because life comes at you quick and life is real. And God doesn't say that you will never have problems. He doesn't say that. He says, in those problems, I will help you and I will speak through those problems. And, and we know that, that we can get through our problems with great joy and anticipation. Because when God revealed to Mary that she was going to birth the Messiah, that's a feel-good story, right? That's awesome. Oh, I get to birth the Messiah. How great is that? How, oh, I love it. I'm so excited for what's going to happen. My son is going to change the world. Think about that for a moment. I mean, I always, I think my kids are going to change the world. I mean, but I didn't give birth, or my wife, not me. My wife didn't give birth to the son of God. But I still think my kids are going to change the world. So imagine how Mary felt on this side of it. But then what we forget is we, we forget because I know those people that have been pregnant the first time. There's an element of fear, especially for the women, as it comes to childbirth, right? And so here this little girl is, excited about being the, or having the Savior of the world. But she also went through childbirth. The pain and the toil and the agony of that process in order for the Savior to be born. You see how I'm setting it up here. There was an element of joy over here, of dreams over here, of vision over here, but she had to walk through a little fear in order for that Savior to be wrapped in a, wrapped in a manger and to be the Savior of the world. It takes an opportunity for her to say yes and to live that out regularly. And the pain of childbirth was still evident with Mary, but the bundle of joy in Jesus far outweighs the pain in the moment. And friend, you might be walking in here in tons of pain, physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally, but yet the God of this universe, you didn't stumble in here by accident or coincidence. The stars didn't align for you to be right here in this moment. God is here for you, and he's saying you have glorious joy that's accessible as long as you believe and you trust. Glorious joy despite what you're walking through. We know in 1 Peter 8 and 9, it says, though, and this is Peter. Peter's legit. He's an OG. When you think about it, Peter walked with Jesus. He has seen him. He got out of a boat and walked on water. So this guy has seen God at work. He has seen Jesus in the flesh. And so Peter says, though you have not seen him, he's talking to us, he's talking through his letter, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith and the salvation of your soul. How many want glorious joy? You want glorious joys. Believing in him, you'll be filled with inexpressible 
and glorious joy. And you're saying, Pastor Todd, it doesn't feel like it at times. Well, you're right. But that doesn't mean you don't have access to it. And oftentimes we have to let our mind outweigh, or we have to let our heart outweigh what our mind says. Because your mind says your circumstances are too big. Your challenges are too daunting. The struggle is too real. But your heart says, I came, God came to save your soul so that your heart can think differently than your mind does. Because your mind is a huge battle. The toughest battle is the six inches between your ears in your life. But when you let your heart, the things that God put in your heart, because it's not coincidence that you say, God, come into my heart. Because out of the heart, the what speaks? The mouth. And so when you let God into your heart, what overflows out of your mouth can be great despite your circumstance, despite your situation, and despite your toil and your tough times. And you have to let God in, and you have to go through it with him. He doesn't promise you that you're going to go through it alone. You're going to go through it with him. With him by your side, holding your hand, even though he might be silent, I'm telling you, if I'm in a crowd and I'm walking my kids through a crowd, I'm going to be silent to them so I can make way for where they're going. And God might be silent, but he's still holding your hand, making way through the wilderness, through the struggle, through the valley, because I know when I'm working hard, we climb potato chip rock, and I'm trying to get up that rock to get up there, I'm not talking a whole lot aside from... Uh, I'm grunting the whole time because the toil and the struggle is real, but that doesn't mean that I'm not moving towards the destination that God has called me towards. And you have to realize that even in your struggle, God is still there. And a few weeks ago, we did something called The Greatest Show. It was awesome. Many came to know Jesus because of The Greatest Show. And that's what it's all about. Our prayer and our heart's cry the whole time was not about to do a flashy show because we like the music and because we like good dancing and it's cool. Our whole message was to see Jesus move. That's it. Otherwise, I can go to you know, the theater downtown. I can go to Poway's Theater and watch a good act. But if it's not touched by the power of God, it's not worth it. And so we had an opportunity to do this and it was all written in-house. Pastor Bob wrote it. Uh, we, we had directors in-house, all the actors were in-house. Lucas, oh my word, I just can't even describe to you what a gift he is to our church. I mean, he's unreal. And he spent, we spent countless hours in that sound booth. But we did it all for about 45 minutes of a stage production. And we did it all so people could know who Jesus is. And there was a moment where I see Mara sitting here and Mara was the angel. Isn't it coincidental that we were talking about the angel today? And Mara was the angel, and she took on a role of being the angel and embodied that so incredibly. It was awesome. But throughout production, um, I didn't know this until recently when Katie sat down with her, that the, the part was pretty beefy. There was a lot to it. There was a lot to do in it. There was a lot of action, because you're, you're required to be angel. I mean, like, that's no joke. I mean, like, to, to set that up and to, to do it, you're visiting people in dreams. I mean, like, you have, to, you have to really take on that persona. And there's a lot of lines that were attached to it that were all scriptural, which is awesome. She got it in her heart. But there'd be times throughout the performance, there's a little sense of anxiety where, where to remember her lines and to make sure she delivers it in the right way. And there'd be times where we're working through things. We're like, where's Mara? 
Where's Mara? And, she, and we didn't know where she was. She'd be out in that hallway in the, in the foyer just practicing her lines, making it perfect because she believes excellence is our spirit as a church. And that was the way that she wanted to operate was in a, a level of excellence. And she wanted to have those lines down pat. So the first performance came, came and went flawless, incredible. Mara crushed it out of the park. The second performance, same thing. Mara crushed it out of the park. But with the level and the fear and the anxiety that was weighing heavily on what Mara was doing, to understand and to comprehend and to deliver it in such a way, she was worried about the part. And so while she was standing after the conclusion of the last uh, Greatest Showman on that Sunday, all the actors and actresses and, and cast and crew and ensemble all exited and went and stood in the back for people to greet them and, hey, how are you? I loved your show. It was amazing. But while Mara was standing back there, there was a little gal that came through and literally pushed through people to get directly to the angel and to Mara. And she says, I just want you to know that you are the best Jesus angel I've ever seen. I'm so grateful that you did this and you said yes. Because when you said yes, I saw, I got to see you. And Mara just crumbled in that gal's arms and begin to cry because of what looks to be fearful on one side when you are faithful and you push through that fear becomes from problem comes to possibility for God to move because she was the mouthpiece and the megaphone of the gospel on that day. It wasn't a, a preacher on a platform. She was acting as an angel and she had an opportunity to lead someone to the Lord because of the fact that she said yes. And so we have to push through our fears, our worry, our anxiety to get from the problem to the possibility for what God wants to do and we can do it cheerfully because you know what, Mara? Every practice, every time had such great joy. And that's what caused what was inside to come out because she was a light. She was letting what God had done in her life to give that out and to be radiant among all of the people that came to the greatest show. What a gift, right? You have no idea what's inside of you, friends. You have no clue the impact that you have on a community, on a family, on a nation. If you just push past your fear and your worry to, get, to stop looking at the problem and look at the possibility and allow Christmas cheer to be all around because just Jesus will give you Christmas cheer. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes?